You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode six. Most people look at me when I state that they should do this and this alone, and they look at me like, really? That's it? It really is that simple. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurn. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Scherr. Hello and welcome back on this beautiful day. I just want to remind you again that this podcast is dedicated to simplifying your health journey. We're always going to be talking about nutrition, but we're also going to dig into other areas that have just as much of a basis on changing your overall health, like personal development and living with a purpose, simplification, and making real and honest changes that can be sustained for life. Today's episode, we're going to be diving into a principle that I recommend to everyone. If I did nothing else, I think this one simple practice has changed the way my body functions, from my energy level to my overall food choices that I make throughout the day. It's definitely the one thing that I recommend to everyone, even before we get into what to eat. Because let's face it, it's hard changing something that you love and something that you've created an emotion to, the food that we eat, but it's a lot easier to change the when and the how than to change the what. It takes out our rebellious nature and helps our body to regulate the way it was designed. Yet this single practice is so underutilized in the health world, and it's not even talked about that often, considering the enormous health benefit it holds. So hold on, this is going to be one you're going to want to implement today. So today we're going to talk about what is intermittent fasting, the buzz around it, and how it could help you shed unwanted weight and feel better than you ever have, even if you change nothing else. So here we go. So I just want to start with my story and what I learned in school. Obviously, I have kind of changed focuses from the traditional nutrition that I was taught and the traditional nutrition that we've been taught all of our life, that calories matter more than about anything else that we could do. Yet, this is such a false principle and one that never adds up to be true. I mean, let's face it. If it were as simple as calories in equals calories out, we would be a nation of thin, healthy people. But that's not the case. And I talk a lot about this in episode two, the episode called Eating More to Eat Less. And we learned that really it's not as simple as tracking calories. There's so much more to the picture than just that. And our calorie count changes from day to day depending on how our body's functioning. So we need to get beyond that. We need to let go of those health problems and guilt. And to be honest, in my own story, as I was transitioning into a healthier life, I experimented with a lot of things. I wanted to know for myself what would work and what didn't. And to be honest, I never really found anything that would work. It was never simple. It was never as easy as I wanted it to be. And in fact, all of the latest fads and gimmicks on the market at that time were challenging. They led to more rebellion. Maybe that's where my rebellious spirit came from. And at led to me simply overeating because they were telling me not to. I was hungry. I was deprived and starved. And that's when I made the promise to myself that I would never live that way again. Because let's face it, food is essential. It is the foundation of our life. We can't live very long without it. We need it and our body needs enough of it to function at its prime. Something that's so foreign to us that we have this disconnect that if we just eat less, we'll lose weight. But the reality is, is we need to eat more 
more to lose weight. And it's such a hard and confusing principle, but it's really broken down into something so simple. And that's what we're going to get into today. But before we get there, I just want to, again, touch on calories for just a second because I get these questions all the time. And again, you can go back and listen to episode two to get more information. But just to give you one more teaser for that episode, I want you to consider why weight gain is not caused by eating more calories than you expend. One, because calories are never the cause of weight gain itself. If this were true, why don't we all require the exact same number of calories every single day? If you take two people who weigh 150 pounds, let's say they're even the same gender, why in the world don't they require the exact same number of calories? Why can someone eat and eat and eat and never gain an ounce while another person just looks at food and gains weight? Which is a very true phenomenon, but one we'll have to get to in a later episode. And the answer is because there is so much more to the story than just energy or just calories. Instead, it's how you use that energy, how your hormones are flowing, your percentage of muscle mass, your immune system, the amount of gastric enzymes your body releases, and what quality of foods those calories are coming from. This is why a 1200 calorie diet has never worked for anyone long term. Maybe we've seen it work in the short term, but I think the argument has to come in as losing weight versus losing body fat. They're two totally different things. This is why a 1200 calorie diet has never worked long term for anyone. Sure, you can argue in the short term that it works, but then we have to get into the argument of losing weight versus losing body fat, which are two totally different things. But for now, let's stick to the conclusion that calories are a pretty insignificant thing when it actually comes to health and reaching and maintaining a healthy weight. And the very reason I'm so excited for this episode, the one thing I feel has really revolutionized my own eating patterns, how I feel daily, and how my body metabolizes food, as well as so many of my clients' eating patterns, and that I couldn't resist sharing. It's called intermittent fasting. Yes, intermittent fasting is becoming more well-known, but there's still a controversy that lies. Is fasting really healthy for us, or is it harmful for us long-term, and where can we really find ourselves fitting into this intermittent fasting thing? I just want to start by what it is. Technically, intermittent fasting is just an eating pattern. It's basically a way of scheduling your meals so that you are sure to get the most out of them, as well as the most out of your natural hormonal rhythm of your body. It's actually not classified as a diet because it never references the food you eat, but rather when you eat it. So I say that it's a lot different from all of the other so-called diets on the market, which are regulating what you should and shouldn't eat. It's not that at all. It's simply stating how you should eat or when you should eat. Again, it doesn't change what you eat. It just changes when you eat it. And again, that's why it's called an eating pattern. Honestly, it's got to be one of the easiest starting places for people because you take out the what you should be eating. We get so focused and so rebellious when it comes to, oh, you can't eat this or that or that or that or that or that. It seems like everything in our diet is taken away and we're stuck with nothing or nothing that seems enticing or satisfying or anything that we want. And so we just go to this negative place and a place that never ends up working. You see, food is an emotional thing, or we make it an emotional thing, not saying that we should. So if we shift that focus from what you should and shouldn't be eating and move it to when you should be eating, it takes the emotion and rebellion out of it and makes it an easy starting place. In fact, so easy, most people look at me when I state that they should do this and this alone, and they look at me like, really? That's it? It really is that simple. And it's one of the best proven ways to get lean without going on a crazy diet 
working out for hours on end, and cutting your calories down to nothing, making you even question the fullness of life. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us have been to that point where we've been on a diet or we're trying to eat a set number of calories, and we just feel so lonely and deprived, and we start questioning, why? Why is this even worth it? To be honest, I never lasted there long. I think a max that I was on a calorie-restricted diet just to try it out for myself before I could even recommend it to someone which is something I always try to do. I never want to tell someone what to do if I haven't personally done that. I think it's hypocritical to do that. And so I don't like when other people tell me to do something that they personally don't have experience with. So why would I do the same? So I try everything out. And when I was on this very low calorie diet, I just felt horrible. Like I didn't have any energy. I was tired. My brain was foggy. I didn't have any purpose or passion for life. I just was kind of a lump on a log. Sure, my body might have been metabolizing energy, but it wasn't the right energy. It was all the energy I needed to live with passion and to live with purpose and to do the things that I love doing. That was where my energy was going. It wasn't coming out of the fat cells like I wanted it to. And so to be honest, I could never last in a calorie-deprived state for very long because the reality is is that food doesn't need to have an emotion. It is the essence of life. It's why we are living, why we're talking, why we're breathing. We get that from food, and we must learn to embrace food and not blame food for what it's doing. Again, it's all a mentality change. And if we can get out of our minds and let go of the emotion and we can realize that maybe there's more to do with it than just what we're putting in our body, it's how and the when, then we can start embracing these other things and start to see the picture come full circle. Again, it's one of the best proven ways to get lean, but it's also one of the best proven ways to get lasting health, and we'll get there in a second. But for now, let's talk about how it works. I think in order to understand the difference between if intermittent fasting is a good thing or a bad thing for our body, we need to understand the difference between the fed state and the fasted state. So there's no longer an argument. There's no longer controversy to this whole fasting state of our body. The fed state starts when you first begin eating. It's the first calorie or the first taste of sweetness you put into your body, and it typically lasts for three to five hours following that meal as your body fully digests and absorbs the food. So it's basically from the time you start eating until everything has been completely digested and absorbed into the body. And this is just a side note. I have to say taste of sweetness because even our zero calorie drinks and our zero calorie sugars, because it tastes sweet, I would still argue that our body is going to metabolize that differently than something that has naturally zero calories in it. Like water, coffee, or tea, which which are pretty much the only three things that could be consumed in the fasted state. So again, the fed state is when we're digesting and absorbing food. In this state, you cannot burn fat, and that's simply because your insulin levels are up. I think this is kind of opposite to what most people think is, you know, they think they're up and they're moving throughout the day and that's when they're burning calories. You know, they have their Fitbit on, they're tracking their steps, which is all great. But really, as long as you're in the fed state, you're never burning body fat. You're never losing weight. This all happens in the fasted state. So I just want to back up for a second and help you understand when fat loss occurs. This is going to be like the really quick shortened version of how fat loss occurs. 
So to break this down really quickly, there's three macronutrients that we could contain in our body. One is protein, one is carbohydrates, and one is fat. All three serve very different functions. All three are essential to our body, but at very different rates. Protein and fat have tons of functions, and we can get into this more later on or in another episode. We aren't going to focus on those now. We're going to focus on carbohydrates. Carbohydrates only function as energy. Yes, this is important. We need energy, but we have to know that carbohydrates only function is simply that energy. So when we consume a meal or we consume calories, when we start breaking those down and absorbing those, blood sugar levels rise. And in response to blood sugar levels rising, insulin also spikes. And insulin is a hormone that's critical to our body and utilizing the energy that we're consuming and utilizing the sugar energy that we're consuming. So insulin helps take those sugar molecules and put them into the cells to be used as energy. When insulin levels spike too high, this would be considered a toxic point for your body or a point of concern for your body. And so your body starts signaling that it can't keep up with the blood sugar levels that are rising. And we know blood sugar level rising without it getting into cells or to be used or taken care of is toxic to our body. Think of a diabetic who doesn't take their insulin and their blood sugar levels get high. This is really harmful to our body. And so our body has to take care of those blood sugar levels. So when insulin levels begin reaching a point that it starts getting concerned, it signals to your body to turn on a process in the liver called lipogenesis. And basically what happens when your body doesn't need any more energy, all the cells have the energy that they need for that moment, blood sugar starts getting pumped back to your liver where it undergoes a process called lipogenesis. And this is basically the conversion of sugar of glucose getting transformed or getting converted into body fat stores or adipose tissue, which then gets pumped out to the body and gets placed on the body as body fat stores. So essentially, anytime insulin is present, this is what we call an anabolic hormone or a building hormone. It's helping your body to build or to use energy, but it's also building that energy as storage. We can store some sugar as sugar in our muscle cells and our liver cells, but any excess is going to get stored as body fat cells. So with that being said, you can see that the fed state really prohibits us from losing body fat stores. So as long as we're consuming food, it's pretty fair to say that it's pretty difficult for your body to utilize or even need to take and mobilize body fat cells to be broken down as energy. I mean, as long as you're providing energy, your body doesn't need to break it down. It defeats the purpose. So the fed state, again, is when our body's building up. It's storing up, and this is a really good state as well. It's not like we cannot do this. We have to be fed because this is where our body's capturing and absorbing and utilizing all the nutrients that we're consuming, most of them good, but obviously sometimes when we get too much insulin going on and too much body fat cells being produced, this could lead to negative consequences or things that we don't necessarily want to happen. On the other hand, we have the fasted state. And the fasted state is where your body is absent of all food and your hormone levels begin to change. And this is where when we're in a fasted state, our body is still working. It's constantly working. It's working just as hard when you're sleeping as it is when you're awake, maybe even harder when you're sleeping for some of us. Um, And it still needs energy. And so this is when your hormones are going to flip over to this fasted state where your body's starting to change hormones, your insulin levels decrease, which allows other hormones like human growth hormone to be released in response to that. And human growth hormones then going to mobilize body fat stores to be used as energy. 
And so this is actually, the fasted state is actually when we're going to see body fat being released from those stores and being able to use as energy so we can see body fat stores decrease in a fasted state. So I hope you're kind of seeing the difference. Just to kind of give a quick overview, the fed state again is when we're digesting and absorbing food. At this point, our body's not breaking down body fat cells or anything else to be used as energy. Instead, it has plenty of energy from the food you're eating. The fasted state, on the other hand, is without food or the absence of food. And this is when your body's hormones change to then break down body fat stores and other areas to be used as energy. If we take that, we can understand that there's so many benefits of the fasted and the fed state. You see, if we look at the typical American diet, a lot of us are never even entering the fasted state for a long enough period of time to break down body fat cells let alone to heal and rejuvenate and to do all these significant and very important processes that happen in the fasted state. And the reason is because we're eating all day long. Some of us wake up really early in the morning and we eat breakfast almost immediately because we've been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which it is, and we'll get to why I don't think it's necessarily important on when you eat it, just that you eat it later on in this episode. But we start eating breakfast really early on and we eat all throughout the day and then we come home and we eat supper and then we continue to snack throughout the rest of the night until our head hits the pillow for the for the evening. Some people even waking up at night to have a midnight snack. You see, some of us never let our body get into the fasted state, which really prevents a lot of critical processes from happening. This is where intermittent fasting comes in. It's not a means of fasting all day, every day. It's not a means of not eating. Again, it's just an eating pattern of allowing your body the appropriate amount of time to really gain all the benefits from the fasted state that it can and eating all the food and enough food in what we would call the fed state or a shorter period of time than the fasted state. So why you must try intermittent fasting? There's a lot of different things that are going to occur when we're using intermittent fasting. One, your body's hormone levels change, making stored body fat more accessible in the fasted state. Again, insulin levels drop, allowing human growth hormone and other hormones to come out, allowing you to mobilize body fat stores to be used as energy. And what's even more important than that is that in the fasted state, your cells also initiate repair processes and change the expression of genes. This is where true and lasting health and healing comes from. In other words, true healing, restoration, and fat loss only comes in the fasted state. When we talk about healing and restoration, we have cellular repair happening in the fasted state. When you fast, your cells initiate cellular repair processes, including the process where cells digest and remove old and dysfunctional proteins that build up in the cells. So they take sick and dying cells and they remove them from the body. Another thing is also gene expression. And this is where changes in the function of genes relating to longevity and protection against genes. So when we talk about the research that's being done and why intermittent fasting is so healthy for our body, we can look at weight loss, improving insulin resistance, decreasing inflammation, decreasing heart issues and risk of cardiac disease, decrease in cancer rates, an increase in brain health, and a decrease in aging. There are so many functions and processes that happen in the fasted state and while our body is sleeping that it is critical that we allow for a long enough period of time for our body to fully complete these processes so that we can experience what we would call true health. 
if we get back to the weight version, because I know a lot of us are interested in how we can lean up or tone up or lose excess body fat stores, it has also been found that intermittent fasting can increase your metabolism by 3 to 14%, which is huge. And this involves the use of human growth hormone, which is only present, again, in the absence of insulin, and human growth hormone can skyrocket as much as five-fold in a fasted state, leading to greater fat loss and more muscle gain, which is only, again, going to help that metabolism increase. So if we get beyond looking at the health benefits, which are extremely important and reason enough, we can also look at the daily life benefits. Let's be honest. Intermittent fasting or having a set period of time in the day in which you allow yourself to eat just makes your day simpler. It could mean not eating breakfast when you think you have to eat. It means overcoming all the rules that have been placed on us on when we should eat and feeling the obligation to prep and cook and prepare food when you're really not hungry or you really don't need to be eating. Now, all those things are important in general, But it makes your day simpler in the fact that you know when you start your day and that you don't have to eat at your traditional meal times throughout the day. But I know what some of you are thinking. I could never skip breakfast. How do you do it? Let me tell you, it takes a little bit of training, but this is such a normal physiological process for your body that it does not take very long for your body to pick up on this. I promise you that it is so eye-opening for some people to think, I'm going to be so hungry. And yes, you do experience hunger, but it only lasts one to two weeks before your body really adjusts and gets acquainted to this new way of living because it is the preferred method of how we should eat. It's the natural process for your body. What's interesting, though, is hunger actually is more likely to strike if your fasted state is shorter. Let's just use an example. I'm sure all of us have gone out to eat the later hours of the evening. You know, you've kind of eaten into that point in which you would normally go to bed. And maybe you've experienced that you've had a big meal at night and you wake up the next day and you're hungry. You're almost starving. And you think, how could I be so hungry? I just ate a massive meal later than I normally could. And this is because your body has never been allowed to enter the fasted state. So it really is just crying out for nutrients because it's constantly in that fed state, meaning your blood sugar is just dropped and it wants you to eat. It's signaling hunger because it needs energy. It's never dipped into the fat stores or using human growth hormone or all the other repair processes that happen at night because it simply has not been allowed to enter the fasted state. So it's true that going longer without food will actually make you less hungry. And I know this is so mind-boggling, but it's so true. I can promise that when you start this and you start training your body, you will notice your hunger levels decrease. But again, you have to know your life. You have to decide if it's right for you, which I can hands down say that most of us could benefit from some amount of intermittent fasting. I don't think any of us should give ourselves less than 12 hours in a fasted state. I think that's just pretty standard across the board. And if we can go longer, which we'll talk about in a second, that's going to be preferred. But 12 hours or what we call the 12-hour window is essential for all of us. I mean, we even see kids doing this because most kids sleep 10 to 12 hours at night anyways. And so their body is technically in that fasted state, most of them not eating right when they wake up or right when they go to bed. So they're they're doing this for at least 12 hours. It's a pretty natural process. What you need to do though is start slowly, start simply, start small, and start gradually. Again, that just boils down to one, starting. I said it in all of those, but doing it slowly and simply enough that your body can transition. So for instance, if you feel like 
breakfast is non-negotiable at this point, which I think I'll talk about at the very end and in step you could do this, is that breakfast is the most movable meal that there is for most of us. Most of us have a pretty set dinner time. Um, if you have kids, your dinner time is pretty set in stone like ours is. Uh, we can't really go past a certain time without major meltdowns and breakdowns and kids just refusing to eat at that point. So our supper time is pretty non-negotiable, but breakfast is pretty independent. Most of us do it on our own or on our own time. And so this is a pretty movable meal, but I don't think we should start there. Um, I think an easy starting place is just to eliminate nighttime snacking. So stop eating after your dinner time or at least three hours before bed. It's a great starting point and then start playing with your morning meal time. In order to make this realistic, we also need to stay flexible, understanding that things change, things happen. Maybe one night you're going to go out to eat with your family and you're realistically knocking out three hours before bed. Stuff happens. Life happens. I get that. Trying to be consistent over time is going to be the most important thing, but staying flexible with it. If you go out to eat later one night, then just wait longer the next day to eat breakfast. You can still achieve at least 12 hours every day. I promise you it gets fairly easy to do this, and you're going to want to start doing this. It's something I want to do because I do experience more energy and less hunger if I allow at least 12 hours every night, if not more. Expect ups and downs. Obviously, if you get uh, sick for a period of time, your body's going to go into a period afterward of making up for this process, trying to hold on to and, and get more energy. And you might go through a phase where you are more hungry. But know, again, that intermittent fasting doesn't determine how much you should eat or what you should eat. It just determines when you should eat it. So making sure you're eating enough in that period of time when you are in the fed state. And think about what you truly want from the process. I think one of the coolest things intermittent fasting does for people is it helps them learn the difference between head hunger and body hunger. So often at night, we see people just unconsciously eating in front of the TV. They've had a long day, they're stressed, they're emotionally eating, and it's comforting to sit sit down at night and just open a bag of chips or have a bowl of ice cream or have your nighttime snack. That's just comfort for most of us. It's not true biological hunger. And so intermittent fasting really helps you to understand the difference between just head hunger or mental hunger and true physiological body hunger. It helps us learn not to fear hunger. Rightfully so. Some of us are so overwhelmed with diets and and some of us have been on every diet on the market that we do fear hunger. We live in fear of food, fear of hunger, and fear of starvation, deprivation, and most of us weight gain. And so we try everything else, but then we just end up fearing life in general. And so it helps us to learn not to fear hunger. It helps improve insulin sensitivity and recalibrate your body's use of stored fuel. It helps you respect the process and privilege of eating. Again, when we focus on eating just in a set period of time and we don't have to worry about it in our fasted state, it helps us to appreciate when we do eat um, and really focus in on those meals as opposed to just this whole day of eating, which can be so overwhelming for some of us. Helps us to learn more about our own body, listening to our own body cues. Again, it helps us to lose fat. However, I have to say that it's not healthy if you have an eating disorder or rigid control to your food intake. You fast too long or too often. You're over-exercising and not getting enough sleep. You're using supplements to kill your natural appetite or true hunger. Again, food is important, so true hunger is also just as important. And we don't need to fear hunger, but rather embrace it as something that our body is needing and crying out for. It's not healthy if you're food obsessed or you binge during your non-fasting periods or your fed periods or you use it as a way to compensate for poor food choices or overeating. 
Now, with that being said, I don't think even if you have those things that it's necessarily harmful that you do this fed and fasting. I still think it's important for everyone across the board, even if you are struggling with with food and with binging and just your relationship with food, maybe you aren't in the best place or you don't have a healthy relationship with food, fasting for 12 hours still is going to help your body to overcome some of those healing processes, help you to rejuvenate, But like I said, this is a mental thing for a lot of us and having and developing a great relationship with food and taking the emotion out of food in the process of eating is going to be essential for lasting health. Remember, this is a pivotal part of life. This is what we need. It's essential. We can't live without food. And so we need to start embracing it instead of fearing it and understanding that food is not necessarily the evil or the enemy, that it's ourselves. And if we could get out of the way of our own mind and understand how true and lasting health is and the importance of it, we can really start to embrace that and learn other measures to deal with the root of the issue and why we have these mental barriers or why we're binging with food and what our past has done to us to bring us to this point. And so regardless, one, just don't abuse it, but use it as a very essential tool for lasting health and getting outside of weight just for the critical point that it's helping your body to restore and repair and essentially eliminate and prevent a lot of disease that could come into play. And if we take the food out of the picture and just experience this process of how our hormones function, we can develop and we can start to see the snowball effect come into play and we can start to see great changes happen just simply and respecting the natural hormone flow of your body. I promise you'll make better choices if you do it within a set fed state of your body. So before we end this episode, I want to kind of overcome some common questions I get when it comes to intermittent fasting. One is what is included outside the fast only non-calorie things like water, tea, and coffee that are not sweetened with anything. Some would say that you can stay in a fasted state if you're only consuming fat and protein. That's why someone encourage you to eat a high fat and high protein meal for breakfast and really try to limit your carbohydrates and and increase those throughout the day. This is simply because they're trying to keep you in a fasted state as long as you can. And I would agree with that. Protein and fat are really important in the morning hours. So trying to focus your breakfast on protein and fat and less carbohydrates and increasing your carbohydrates throughout the day. Again, it's not a non-carbohydrate thing. It's just a matter of when you're eating those things. And speaking of breakfast, this is also a common thing. So am I saying that breakfast isn't important? Absolutely not. I think breakfast is still the most important meal of the day, but breakfast doesn't mean eating as soon as you wake up. Breakfast literally means breaking the the fast. So essentially, it's the first meal after you've been in this fasted state. It doesn't consider when you should eat it. It just states that this point, breaking the fast, is the pivotal point in how your body's going to turn on and metabolize food for the rest of the day. So it is important, and I think breakfast should be our biggest meal of the day, but again, focusing more on protein and fat in the morning, a little bit of carbohydrate, and slowly adding those will help you stay in that fasted state or to switch over those hormones as efficiently as possible, leading to better results throughout the day and for days to come. Another question, can you take supplements while fasting? Sure, but one thing you need to remember with supplements is if they're fat-soluble vitamins, those are going to be better absorbed with food or with fat. And so a lot of vitamins and supplements are actually going to be better absorbed and better utilized with food. So you may want to think about taking those with the meals instead of in the fasted state. 
Can you work out when fasting? Absolutely. Working out is another great period to mobilize body fat stores to be used as energy, but again, it can only be done in the absence of insulin. And so working out in a fasted state, essentially first thing in the morning tends to be scientifically the best time to see mobilized fat stores. But if we do it first thing in the morning, there's less excuses that get in our way other than not getting up, setting your alarm. There's less excuses that hold us back from actually doing it. So you tend to be uh, more consistent with exercise first thing in the morning. And by all means, you definitely can. Again, this is something though that you have to train yourself to do. If you're used to eating something before you work out, you could experience dizziness or headache or fatigue for the first few days and just take those days and do lower intensity workouts as your body adjusts to this and soon honestly you won't even know the difference um you'll actually have more lasting energy you'll be able to have more endurance and you'll be stronger in the midst of that because your body is utilizing its own fat stores as energy and not relying on your quick sources that you're probably providing it before your workout so it's absolutely okay to work out while fasted again train yourself to do this don't just switch over to doing this And the last question is, will it slow down your metabolism? If done right, if you just do intermittent fasting daily or you follow um, an intermittent fasting plan, no, it will increase your metabolism and that's been proven. The only time it starts to mess with your metabolism is if you fast for too long. So if you go more than three days without food, yes, it will start to mess with your metabolism. But likewise, if you don't consume enough food or you're on a calorie-restricted diet, your metabolism is also going to be highly affected by that every single day. So it really just boils down to, are you eating enough? Are you feeding your body enough? And are you getting enough of the quality foods to help increase your metabolism and help your body to work at its prime? So again, start slowly. Stop eating three hours before bed. If you're already doing that, then aim to have at least 12 hours or range from 12 to 16 hours in the fasted state. Just slowly work up. Listen to your body and see what works well for you. I know personally, I try to stick with a 10-hour window of a fed state. So only eating within 10 hours and fasting for at least 14 hours a night. It's been amazing for me. It's transformed how I feel and how I function throughout the day and also how I sleep. Play around with it. Start with 12 hours. Stop eating three hours before bed and start increasing from there until you feel like you hit your sweet spot. So my final thoughts for you are to encourage you to try intermittent fasting. It doesn't take changing what you eat. It just takes changing when you eat it. So making sure that you're eating enough, but in a set period of time and get rid of all of this boredom and emotional eating that you're doing and just fast for a longer period of time. I promise you will be amazed by the transformation your body goes through and how quickly it changes over because like we mentioned, this is the preferred state of the body. So as I leave you, if you want to learn more about intermittent fasting, I've created a free download for you that will be available in the show notes. You can find it at simplerootswellness.com slash 006. It will explain the ins and outs of exactly what we talked about in this episode and how you can create an intermittent fasting schedule that works for you. If you need more hand-holding or guidance, All of my programs and courses, including the Simple Cleanse and the Craving Cure, give you step-by-step direction on how you can easily incorporate this into your life and be well-fed in the process. Trust me, you will never, ever regret this change and you'll experience less hunger. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep the discussion moving on your thoughts on today's episode and encouraging one another to put this one tip into action. Finally, as always, it would make my day if you would take a minute out of yours to rate and review the show. 
Not only will this provide me with valuable feedback on how I can make this show better or more realistic for you, it will also help make it more visible and findable by new people, sharing in the knowledge, helping them to cut the noise and achieve simplicity. This one simple step could be just the encouragement someone else needs to find lasting change to a more fulfilling life. To rate and review the podcast, just visit simplerootswellness.com slash iTunes or simplerootswellness.com slash Stitcher. And what I want to leave you with, the reality is we eat more than we do about anything else. It's time to stop fearing food, to let go of the emotion we place on food, and then learn to embrace a process. Food is life-giving. It is essential, and we need enough of it. Focus on these small changes like intermittent fasting will be a hundred times more effective than worrying about calories. Remember, quality wins every single time. One small change today, tomorrow, and the next add up to big things in the future. It really is that simple.